0: a shaken savior if you've got chains he's a chain breaker we've all searched for the light of day and the dead of night we've all found ourselves worn out from the same old fight we've all run to things we know that just ain't right well, there's a better life There's a better life If you got pain He's a pain taker If you feel lost He's a way maker If you need freedom Or saving He's a prison shaken savior If you got chains Well, he's a chain breaker If you can feel it, somebody testify. If you got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom for saving, he's a prison shaken savior. If you got chains, well, he's a chain breaker. Oh, if you need freedom for saving, he's a prison-shaking Savior. If you've got chains, well, he's a chain-breaker. Would you turn to your neighbor this morning?
1: Just say hello if you haven't met each other before. We are so glad to have you here with us worshiping. It is good that you made it here and braved the weather this morning. Glad to have you all.
0: Father everlasting, the all-creating one, God almighty, through your Holy Spirit, conceiving Christ the Son, Jesus our Savior, I believe in God our Father. Judge and our defender suffered and crucified. Forgiveness is in you. Descended into darkness, you rose in glorious life, forever seated high. no When Jesus comes again
2: So, good morning, snowmageddon. No, 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 no. None of that. None of that. No, we, I mean, it was like zero to 85 inches was the forecast, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's good, though. But uh, I just want to say we're glad you're here. Everybody's safe and warm. And, and we're going we're gonna to try to have some coffee in the lobby as you all leave. And just a way to say, hey, you know, go home and be warm and get some good coffee. But uh, we're glad you're here with us. And, and guys, there's only a couple things I want to highlight. But if you pass the friendship folders down the aisle, we appreciate that. But one thing is, we have our Next Steps membership meeting at the end of the month, um, and that's on Sunday, January 27th, and that is, uh, something, there's two ways you can sign up for that, it's in the, your bulletin, there's a little half sheet, it's all, also you can do that on our website, and it, there's two things that you can um, do, there's, there's free lunch, and there's also free childcare. but this is for people looking to make Crossroads Ministries their church home, also, if you have questions about what believe, doctrine, theology, questions about how to serve, questions about children, student ministry you know, whatever questions we can answer, who's on staff, what do people do, all that, where do I find this, where do I find that, this is a great place for you, and so if you have any questions, just pull me aside or call in, we'd love to help you with that, um, but we're rolling, Wednesday nights are rolling, men's and women's groups, student ministry, children's ministry as well, um, if you look in your bulletin, the birthday gift to Jesus is, is, is $133,000, could we just give God a hand for that, it's a phenomenal. <laughs> And I hope that as big as that number is, it makes us feel, feel, uh, just a little bit bigger as a church because what it does is it makes us feel like we're a part of the greater mission of Jesus Christ. Is is not just here in this building, but it's all over the world. And so it's a, it's a privilege to be able to partner with missionaries, local, international, international. So what a what a privilege! It's exciting to do that with you guys. Um, one more thing I want to highlight um, is is if you um, if you uh, leave, you can see in the lobby there are Bibles as well as there are reading plans. A lot of those reading plans are available on our website. But if there's anything that we can do to resource you as you guys make goals or just wanting to grow in 2019, please let us know. Um, Whether it's physical, it's on your app. Actually, Ken's going to show us all something pretty soon about the the Bible app, which is super cool. But if there's anything we can do for you guys uh, just in your growth and your walk with the Lord, please let us know. We'd love to resource you in that and point you in the right direction. But I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward this morning as we receive this offering. And And guys, we're just excited about being in Nehemiah. It's been a a fun couple weeks, and we're excited about this morning and how God's going to move. It was a great last hour. It was a great last night, and it's going to be another great hour. So let's go before the Lord as we receive the offering. Jesus, we love you. We make you the priority. And um, I don't know where everybody's coming in from, guys. A lot of us are riding um, just a really good start of the year. January's been good, Um, just relationally. It could be good financially. It could just be good just because nothing bad's happened, just uh, as humans, the, the experience that we walk through in this life, it's, it's all over the place, um, and some of us are maybe still riding uh, just tough times uh, from the holidays, and in 2019, this new year is, um, is difficult to approach, and so God, we just know that in, in, in the craziness and the inconsistency of our life, you're the only consistent one that we can cling to. And God, you are constant. Jesus, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, and to you we cling, and to you we find purpose in life. And so um, I pray that as we receive this offering, Lord God, that we would just, uh, just be humbled to know we're a part of a greater mission that goes beyond just these walls that goes beyond our city, that goes beyond this world, God, that there's an eternal impact that we have when we proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we love you. We just thank you for loving us, and we are excited about what you're going to do this morning as we read your word, as we grow together, and as we leave here uh, taking the light of Jesus to a world that so desperately needs it. God, we love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: us one last time as we just lift our voices and praise God with ever be. Sing it from your heart because Jesus is here with us today.
0: Amen. Your love is devoted like a ring of sun. God, like a vow that is tested, like a covenant of old, your love is enduring through the winter rain and beyond the horizon, with mercy for today, faithful you have been and faithful you will be. You pledge yourself to me, and that's why I sing your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips, your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips, your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips, your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips. makes us whole, and you shoulder our weakness, and your strength becomes our own, now you're making me like you, you're clothing me in white, bringing beauty from ashes, for you will have your bride, free of all her guilt, rid of all her shame by her true name And it's why I sing your praise will ever be on my lips never be on my lips your praise will ever be on my lips and never be on my lips Your praise will ever be on my lips never be on my lips your praise will. Ever be on my lips Ever be on my lips For you will be praised And you will be praised With angels and saints We sing worthy Are you Lord And you will be praised You will be praised With angels and saints Sing, worthy are you, Lord? And you will be praised. You will be praised with angels and saints. We sing, worthy are you, Lord? You will be praised, yes, you will. You will be praised with angels and saints. We sing, worthy. Are you Lord and it's why I sing your praise will ever be on my lips and never be on my lips your praise will ever be on my lips and never be on my lips your praise will ever be on my lips never be on my lips your praise will ever be i e
1: the day that you're giving us ahead, We thank you so much, Lord, that we can praise your name with our lips. Every day we want that to be the first thing coming off our lips. The last thing coming off our lips at night is just your name. The name of Jesus is the sweetest name that we know. We thank you for that because, Lord, of what you did for us on the cross, Lord God, and how you're preparing a place for us even now, thinking of us as we sing your praises, loving us, Lord, as we are here gathered together. Thank you so much, Lord, for what lays ahead today, because we know good and great and mighty things come from you. We praise you and we love you. Amen. You can be seated, please.
3: glad that you're here today. My wife does not enjoy hearing the message three times. I'll just let you know that, all right? If, she, if you weren't here, she would have to sit in here and fill up your space. I just want you to know that, all right? I had all the services. We were thrilled that uh, last night we had a great night. Some people were watching the forecast. They were thinking we we're getting a foot, so they came out last night, and uh, they had a good time. And uh, first service, I was surprised. You know, I pulled up here at quarter to nine, or no, whatever time I get here, I'm up here early, but at quarter to nine, I'm looking around, I'm saying, uh, there's nobody here, there's like none of our helpers are here, like what's going to happen today, and all of a sudden, like at 9.30, everybody showed up, well, not everybody, but a, a remnant showed up, right, and, uh, and we had a great service, so I want to thank you for being here this morning, uh, the, you are the Marines, give yourselves a hand this morning, thank God for you guys, man, this is awesome. Just because everybody else canceled doesn't mean we have to. There, we said it. All right, all right, now move on, all right? We are thanking God that you're here today. Um, I'll tell you what, you know why it's so important? Because God does something every time we gather together. The scripture says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am. And I'll have to tell you, I have a good memory. Ten years ago, I believe it was, we, uh, we had a service like this. It was freezing rain. I mean, it was true freezing rain praise team, people were on the way. They were sliding into other cars and we're like, you know, Pastor Arnold was leading and I was like, Pastor, you need to cancel. He goes, I'm not canceling. See, that's where he trained me. I got it from him, right? So uh, he says, I'm not going to cancel. And we're like, you know, we're watching the clock. We're getting right down to the wire and in comes Jim and Chris Kunkel. They're here this morning. It was their very first day. Nobody else was here, folks. It was Jim and Chris Conkle, the parking lot attendants, a few greeters, the coffee people. We were all getting ready to pack our bags and say, we can go now. And they walked in the door and and uh, pastor was like, okay, Rhonda, pull a few songs together. We're going to have church. And, and you remember that, don't you? That was, uh, you know... Thank God for that. And here they are, 10 years active, faithfully serving in the church. Can we thank God for the conkles, man? I love it. I love it. So that's what God does. God works in mysterious ways, and you just never know what God's going to do. And I'm glad that you're here today as God is working today. It's never too late to start a new beginning. That's what Nehemiah is all about. We've been looking in the book of Nehemiah, and we've been studying the book of Nehemiah and looking at how that you can start a new beginning. Just give you a little bit of back uh, backlog here just to put us all on the same page. 1,400, uh, I'm sorry, 140 years the children of Israel have been in exile. Uh, uh, Babylon had come in under... King Nebuchadnezzar, and they had taken over the nation of Israel. They took them out in exile, took all the leaders out in exile. That's when you remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel and the lion's den. Those type of things were all under the Babylonian captivity. They were all under exile. And then uh, as they were in exile, uh, Babylon is no longer the, the, the big superpower, it becomes Persia. King Artaxerxes is in charge. And uh, a Jewish man, he was just an ordinary man like all of us. Remember, Persia's a thousand miles from their home country, a thousand miles from their home city of Jerusalem. So here he is, he's a thousand miles away. He's the cupbearer to the king. He's got a great civil service job. He's just, uh, you know, he, he takes a sip of the king's wine, hands it over, and the king drinks it. He eats the king's food, hands it over, and the king eats it. I'm like, where were those jobs whenever I was 20 years old? You know, that would have been a great career, but no. All right, so here he is. He's the king's cupbearer. And so he, he has to test that he's got a great job before the king. And, uh, and so God lays on his heart to go back and rebuild this wall. Now, people had tried to rebuild the wall. The, the, the wall was important. It was the, A wall went around the city of Jerusalem. It was about 30 feet high, about 10 feet deep. And as they, as the one around it was all about protection, there were gates. And so as you go and you look at that, you look at this, uh, the story, it's pretty powerful because this is a actual history. We're looking at the memoirs of Nehemiah. And so Nehemiah, as you look at Nehemiah chapter three here this morning, we're going to look at Nehemiah chapter three. Uh, last week we looked at Nehemiah chapter two and we said this is, this was the, um, This was whenever he got permission from the king, and it was an unexpected day. He wasn't expecting that to happen. And so as as he did this, as he looks on and uh, gets the permission, he goes back, and now chapter 3 is all about the rebuilding. And it's kind of interesting, because as you look through, different people have written books about Nehemiah, quite often they'll just jump over chapter 3. Why? It's filled with details. There's a lot of details. There's a lot of names that you can mispronounce easily. So I'm going to do something here today. I'm going to show you how that you can have a, a time and listen to the Bible. Like, I, I, I'm so excited when I hear people that want to get into God's Word. There's a Bible resource table in the foyer. I encourage you, go get one. There's study Bibles. Take one uh, and take it home. There's a donation slip on there. You can donate anytime you want. We just want you to get the Word of God in you. There's also an app I encourage people to download. It's called the YouVersion app. Okay, And it's called the you version so that you can pick the version that you want to study through. And so you download it, and you put it on there, and you can pick a plan. Uh, my daughter has picked a plan. She's reading the Bible in like a really fast time. I don't know how fast it is, but I know she's not reading it. She's listening to it. She has a 40-minute commute to work, and so she's listening to the Bible every day. And as a matter of fact, she comes in, and she says, Dad, I'm in the book of Leviticus. What's that all about? I'm like, you're doing what? She goes, on my way to work, I'm studying the book of Leviticus. I'm like, that's not what you study in traffic. That's just like, that's really hard stuff, right? And so she's, she's getting through it. She's excited about God's word. Why? She's listening to it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I want you to catch this today that um, you can go to the app and you pick out the Bible that you want. You pick out the, the chapter and the verse and it will read it to you. Hit the speaker and it will read it to you. So this morning, I'm going to let it read it to us. So it, it's hard to see because it's, it's made for the phone, made for your computer. If you don't have a, a, a smartphone, just go to Bible.com. It's the same exact thing. You can pick it out and it will read to you. This chapter has a lot of details and so that you can hear the right pronunciations, because I hacked them all up, I want you to watch and listen along. You can follow along in your Bible or in your phone to Nehemiah chapter 3. We'll roll that.
4: The priests started to rebuild at the Sheep Gate. They dedicated it and set up its doors, building the wall as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and the Tower of Hananel. People from the town of Jericho worked next to them, and beyond them was Zachar, son of Imri. The fish gate was built by the sons of Hassaniah. They laid the beams, set up its doors, and installed its bolts and bars. Meramoth, son of Uriah, and grandson of Hakaz, repaired the next section of wall. Beside him were Meshulam, son of Barakiah, and grandson of Meshezabel, and then Zadok, son of Bana. Next were the people of Tekoa, though their leaders refused to work with the construction supervisors. The old city gate was repaired by Joida, son of Pasea, and Meshulam, son of Bessidiah. They laid the beams, set up its doors, and installed its bolts and bars. Next to them were Melatiah from Gibeon, Jadon from Maranoth, people from Gibeon, and people from Mizpah, the headquarters of the governor of the province west of the Euphrates River. Next was Uziel, son of Harhea, a goldsmith by trade, who also worked on the wall. Beyond him was Hananiah, a manufacturer of perfumes. They left out a section of Jerusalem as they built the broad wall. Rephaiah, son of Hur, the leader of half the district of Jerusalem, was next to them on the wall. Next, Judea, son of Haremeph, repaired the wall across from his own house. And next to him was Hadush, son of Hashabniah. Then came Melchijah, son of Hiram, and Hashub, son of Paith Moab, who repaired another section of the wall and the tower of the ovens. Shalom, son of Halahesh, and his daughters repaired the next section. He was the leader of the other half of the district of Jerusalem. The valley gate was repaired by the people from Zenoa, led by Hanan. They set up its doors and installed its bolts and bars. They also repaired the 1,500 feet of wall to the dung gate. The dung gate was repaired by Melchijah, son of Rechab, the leader of the beth district. He rebuilt it, set up its doors, and installed its bolts and bars. The fountain gate was repaired by Shalom, son of Kolhoza, the leader of the Mizpah district. He rebuilt it, roofed it, set up its doors, and installed its bolts and bars. Then he repaired the wall of the pool of Siloam near the king's garden, and he rebuilt the wall as far as the stairs that descend from the city of David. Next to him was Nehemiah, son of Azbuk, the leader of half the district of Beth-Zur. He rebuilt the wall from a place across from the tombs of David's family as far as the water reservoir and the house of the warriors. Next to him, repairs were made by a group of Levites working under the supervision of Rehum, son of Benai. Then came Hashabiah, the leader of half the district of Keilah, who supervised the building of the wall on behalf of his own district. Next, down the line, were his countrymen, led by Benui, son of Henadad, the leader of the other half of the district of Keilah. Next to them, Ezer, son of Jeshua, the leader of Mizpah, repaired another section of wall across from the ascent to the armory near the angle in the wall. Next to him was Baruch, son of Zabai, who zealously repaired an additional section from the angle to the door of the house of Eliashib, the high priest. Meramoth, son of Uriah and grandson of Hakus rebuilt another section of the wall, extending from the door of Elishab's house to the end of the house. The next repairs were made by the priests from the surrounding region. After them, Benjamin and Hashub repaired the section across from their house. And Azariah, son of Maaseah, and grandson of Ananiah, repaired the section across from his house. Next was Benuai, son of Henadad, who rebuilt another section of the wall from Azariah's house to the angle and the corner. Palau, son of Uzai, carried on the work from a point opposite the angle and the tower that projects up from the king's upper house beside the court of the guard. Next to him were Pedaiah, son of Perosh, with the temple servants living on the hill of Ophel, who repaired the wall as far as a point across from the water gate to the east and the projecting tower. Then came the people of Tekoa, who repaired another section across from the great projecting tower and over to the wall of Ophel. Above the horse gate, the priests repaired the wall. Each one repaired the section immediately across from his own house." Next, Zadok, son of Immer, also rebuilt the wall across from his own house, and beyond him was Shimea, son of Shekaniah, the gatekeeper of the east gate. Next, Hananiah, son of Shelemiah, and Hanun, the sixth son of Zaleph, repaired another section, while Meshulam, son of Berechiah, rebuilt the wall across from where he lived. Melchijah, one of the goldsmiths, repaired the wall as far as the housing for the temple servants and merchants, across from the inspection gate. Then he continued as far as the upper room at the corner. The other goldsmiths and merchants repaired the wall from that corner to the sheep gate.
3: Now, if you can do that for 15 minutes a day, you'll get the Bible through in a year. 15 minutes. That's pretty simple. So I want to encourage you, um, you know, like after you listen to that, sometimes you're like, why would you just make us listen to that? There's a whole lot there. Uh, Number one, every word in the Bible is for a reason. It's there. It's, it's important. God has given it to us. Some jump out at you more. Like sometimes you're reading and the Apostle Paul says something in the New Testament. It just jumps out at you. Sometimes you're reading that and you're saying, whoa, I'm just totally lost, right? And I'm going to pull out of here today a, a couple things that are going to really help you with your life and with our church. You see, because there, there's two applications to this passage I want to, to draw today. One is how to rebuild your life. We're talking about it. It's never too late for a new beginning. So there are things in your life that, w- that need to be rebuilt. And there are things in the church that need to be built and rebuilt. There are things that we have to constantly be growing and working on in our life. You started out, you set some goals in your life, and you faded off. You drifted off. It's time for a new beginning. And so those new beginnings aren't just January, they're all year long, they're things that we're always working on, we're always growing. So we're going to talk today about rebuilding your life. So as I go through these items here this morning, I want you to look at how to rebuild your life and and how to build the church of God, not the building, how to build the church, the people, because that's what God's called us to do here. It's God's family. And uh, so the first thing I want to draw attention to is this, is that Nehemiah, he, he, he let go, but he never let up. Nehemiah gave away the job. He delegated. And it's a great principle. If, if you go through the book of Nehemiah, there's all kind of leadership lessons that you can learn. And you can take that into your work tomorrow. You can go to work and you can say, okay, I have to delegate. There's a difference between delegating and dumping, right? You're not just dumping something for somebody to do. You're not abdicating, okay? Delegate says, I've given you a job, I've given you parameters, and I I think you can do really well at this, and I'm going to get out of your way and let you do it. That's delegation. And so that, that is a, a, a good leadership principle. I mean, if you're going to lead anything, you have to learn to delegate. You have to learn to give things away. But you also have to learn not to let up. And that's what Nehemiah did. Nehemiah builds this wall in 52 weeks. What they couldn't do in a half century, he does in 52 weeks. You're like, How, and I'm sorry, 52 days, 52 days. How does he pull that off in 52 days what the rest of, what the other people couldn't do in half a century? It's amazing. He comes and he, he, he has a vision from God. He prays and he fasts. Don't ever forget that part. That is the key to the book of Nehemiah is that he met with God. He got alone with God. He sacrificed food. He sacrificed his heart. He laid it all out before the Lord, and God stirred his heart. God broke his heart. And I've asked you, what is God breaking your heart on? What are the areas of your life that need to be rebuilt that God's breaking your heart? What are the areas in our church that God's breaking your heart that we need to rebuild? What are the areas in our community that God is breaking your heart that he wants you to go and do something and make a difference in our world? So as we look at that, I want us to to understand here that, that there's a powerful verse over in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. Uh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, you probably know, for by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is a gift from God, it is not of works, lest anyone should boast, so that no one can boast. Nobody can brag about how they get to heaven. God made that real clear. But the very next verse, verse 10, says that we, we, so he goes from you to we. I think it's very interesting how he changes that. For you have been saved by grace, all right? All right? It's the gift of God so that no one can boast. And then he moves to this we. He says, for we are God's masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece. Now, you individually are a masterpiece of God. God made you the way that He made you for His honor, for His glory, and He has given you a purpose. When He called you unto Himself, if you've trusted Jesus as your personal Savior, God has a plan for your life. You are not left here on Earth by accident. There is not some uh, happenstance. There's not. Listen, God has a plan, and He says it here. He says, "For we are God's masterpiece." He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that He planned for us long ago. God has a plan. He wants us to do good things. There's good works he wants us to do in our church, in our family, in your personal life. But he says here, we. And I think it's I think there's an importance there to to understand that we are God's masterpiece. We live in the I generation. It's not called the we phone right? It's called the iPhone. And so we live with the eye centered. And I'm thinking about I, 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 me, 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 me. So when we look at our life, here's, the, here's an important principle. In order to rebuild in your life, it is going to take we. There are areas of your life, there are areas of my life that I cannot conquer alone. I have the power of God, number one. Number two, I have the power of we. I have the power of us. I have the power that when we work together, when you support me in something that I'm trying to do, man, it is incredible what what can be done. When I support you in something that God's doing in your life, it's incredible. It's it's like, you know, I always say, you know, it's like saying, sick him to a mad dog. You know what I mean? It's like you just keep going, and that dog just keeps moving on. And that's exactly what happens when we get encouraged. And so you're going to look at your life, and you're going to say, there are areas in my life that I need somebody else to hold me accountable. I need somebody else to speak into my life. And as I'm growing, as I'm learning, I'm putting people like that around me that are speaking into my life, people that are holding me accountable, people that are working with me so that I will do what God has called me to do. But together, catch it, we are God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece, definitely. There are none of us that are the same. God has given you a passion. He's made you so different than me. And and, and he made you so different than the person sitting next to you. That is because he is the creator. And you are his masterpiece. Who gets the credit at the end of the masterpiece? The artist. Not the masterpiece. The artist. Remember we had the guy in here a few weeks ago? And he made the picture of Jesus. At the end, he took his paint and he put his fingerprint on it. And he hold it up. And as much as we were excited because it was a picture of Jesus, you're really excited because that guy was pretty talented. It was like, wow. And you saw this artist. And, and, but it was cool. He was giving glory to God. And, and our setting was a little different. But you are the masterpiece of God. And when God holds you up, guess who gets the credit? God does. That's why he says he exalts the The humble. He resists the proud. He exalts the humble because as he lifts you up, he gets all the glory. So he's made you. He's given you great, awesome gifts. He's given you great passions. And that is who God has, is developing. But with us, it's, the, it's we. It's we. 19 times in this passage, we read the, the phrase next to him next to him. It keeps saying, next to him, next to this guy, this guy worked, and next to him. It was a group of people. There were 40 people who were heading up the various projects. 40 people that were called, and Nehemiah trusted them. Why? Because he understood to get this done, he could not lead the entire wall himself. He needed to have lieutenants everywhere. And those 40 people, no doubt, had all kind of people helping them to get this magnanimous job done in 52 days. So i want to draw a few points here this morning from this passage that you say, what in the world was it about, right? Number one, I want you to catch this. God is looking for people who are willing to serve him. God is looking for people who are willing. Um, you'll see in the list here, there's people from every walk of life. Uh, they were willing to serve. They were willing to work. They were willing to do something. Uh, some would repair the wall closest to their home. Others would commute. They would go back and forth and go to the, to the place of the wall where they had to go. Some, uh, some repaired broken down parts, while well, others had to start from scratch. Some labored on different gates. Some uh, had their massive hinges. They had to work on the massive hinges and the bolts, while well, others picked up rubble and they picked up garbage and they carted trash away. And it's very interesting here. Now check this out Nehemiah 3 1. Then Elishabim. The high priest and the other priests started to rebuild at the Sheep Gate. They dedicated it, set up its doors, building the wall as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated in the Tower of Hanel. They were rebuilding the Sheep Gate. Now, check this out. They had an affinity for that. That was the, the part of the wall that they would identify with. It was close to where they would work. It was close to where what was their passion was. And uh, what was their passion? The atonement of the people. The sheep gate. This was where they would, the Jewish people would come, and they would bring their lamb, they would bring their sheep, would come through that gate, and they would be offered as a sacrifice at the temple. Pretty powerful visual here to see the priest actually rebuilding this wall. And you know what? They had no clue. Honestly, they had no clue that 400 years later that the Lamb of God, Jesus himself, would come walking through that sheep gate. Interesting, isn't it? Jesus, who was the Lamb of God, they had no clue. And I want you to catch this because you're rebuilding your life, right? Let's say you're, you're rebuilding a relationship. You know you've got to work on forgiveness, and you know you've got to work on relationship issues You have no clue what God is doing in that relationship through that forgiveness. You have no clue what God is doing that may not happen for till out of your lifetime. It may be 400 years from now, it may be 200 years, it may be 20 years. You may never get to see the fruit of what you're building. Here these guys were. They were building it. They had no clue that that would happen. They had no clue that Jesus would be arrested and taken before the Sanhedrin, and then he would walk through that gate one day. They had no clue of that, but they were faithful. Uh, The other thing that's pretty interesting about these guys is that that they were priests. They were the high priest, and uh, high priests weren't too good at handyman stuff, right? Uh, You know, typically the pastor isn't too good at being able to build things. Our Wednesday work crew doesn't come up and ask my advice on building things, okay? They come in and they tell tell me how it's going to go. They say, where do you want the wall? I say, over here. And they'll tell me if it can be done, right? And they they tell me how it can be done. And they say, all right, we'll see you later. Get out of our way. Because uh, I'll never forget, there was a story one time, Pastor John was uh, trying to tell our tell a carpenter how to work here at the church. And Ross, you remember this story well, right? I think they were reconstructing the balcony, putting new risers in. And Pastor John came in and Pastor John said, now Larry, Larry Keenan was the the carpenter. And he says, now Larry, let me tell you how this should be, right? And, And Larry took his hammer and he handed it to Pastor John. He says, here, You build this, and I'll preach on Sunday, all right? Because why? The pastor is not, that's not his forte. The priest, this was not their forte. They were not builders by trade. They had no clue about how to build a wall, but they were willing. And as you look through the list, you'll find that there were people that were willing. Here's the principle. God uses willing hands. He doesn't need your resume. He doesn't need my resume. He has a resume that's pretty impressive, doesn't he? So he uses willing hands. So when we come and we have our willing hands, it's amazing what God will do. Uh, The next thing is that God will use your availability. Your greatest ability is your availability. Now think about that this morning. Your greatest ability. You think, well, I can do this, I can do that. Your greatest ability is actually your availability. Not only did the priest not know how to do it, but there were many other people that didn't know how to do it. And so God is building his kingdom, and in in your life and in our church, in our community, he's building his kingdom. He's not looking for your skill. He's not looking for your talent. He gave you everything that he wants you to have. Now, check that out. Your gifts were given to you by God. He gave them to you, and he wanted you to have them. And he didn't want me to have your gift. Thank the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? Listen, if everybody were like me, it would be so boring. I am black and white, literally i 'm colorblind, OK? My world is pretty boring. You people can see color. You, you turn on TV. you know I 'm dying to get those glasses one day. I saw the glasses that turn colorblind people so they can see, right? But listen, that 's the way we think. We think that way too. Everything's simple other people have detail. And I, I got around a guy a few weeks ago. He was, he's saying how he pays attention to detail and it drives his wife crazy. And I explained that's because God made you with detail to pay attention to detail. And he made your wife not to pay attention to detail. You get around Dan McNeese. He, he knows numbers, man. He's, he's, he's like Rain Man. He knows every number. It's unbelievable. And his son's like that too. I heard him sitting there and he has a roller and he's counting the numbers on the roller and stuff. I'm like, that is so foreign to me. You know why? Because God gave him a gift that he didn't give me. And that is how God works. But God did not say, your gifting is how I'm gonna use you. Now, I think he does use our gifts. It's, he does. He, he, there's definitely something to be said about your gift. But when he was building this wall, these people were coming together. It wasn't about the builder. Now, check this out. Here, this is kind of cool. Nehemiah 3.8. Next was uh, Uziel. He was a goldsmith by trade. He made jewelry. Uh, next was uh, Hananiah, a manufacturer of perfumes. Now, what is a jeweler and a perfumist? I guess, is that the right word? Perfumist, right? A perfume maker building a wall. You would never find those two people building a wall. You would never see them out putting a wall together. That'd be like, uh, you know, you, you just wouldn't see it. You go to verse 9. He says that Raphael, that's why I had the guy read this, all right? Raphael, the leader of half the district of Jerusalem, was next to them on the wall. He's a politician. You got a politician, a guy who makes perfume and a guy who makes jewelry, and you're like, Okay, that's my team. Let's go to work today, right? That is not how we would do it. But God says, I want your availability. I don't need your resume. I want your availability. Um, here's the other thing I want you to understand. If you are going to rebuild an area of your life, it takes surrender. You've got to be available to, to deal with things. There's things in your life, a relationship that's broken, an addiction, an um, pain. As you rebuild those areas, you have to give time to that. You have to become available. You may not be skilled at that area. And that's whenever you go and you get the person who is skilled to help you. And you come along and you get, you get that other person who says, yeah, I know how to build a wall. Listen, these guys no doubt had supervisors. Uh, Nehemiah just didn't say, hey, build the wall however you wanted. Could you imagine if the wall were 10 feet in one section, 20 feet in the next? You know, and just kind of, however you want it, guys. No, they had to follow the leadership. And in our life, you have to follow the leadership of God, and then you have to get other people to speak into your life. Several times through my life, whenever I was struggling with areas, I've gone to the people that I saw as expert in that area. Why? Because I needed them to speak in and help me. I was relying on God, number one. But I was becoming available to an area. So if you're rebuilding your life, you need to become available. If you're building the church, guess what we need to become? Available. God is looking for your hands. He's looking for your feet. He's looking for you to show up. And, uh, and, and it's pretty powerful how God does that. Um, <clears throat> over here in um, Nehemiah, we already looked at Nehemiah three, eight, nine. I want to continue on here. Some are able to work more than others. Some are able to work more than others. Uh, Back to the availability, though. Before I move forward, we'll go back to availability. I just got to share this with you. We have great people in our church. They come and they serve, and it's not about their resume. It's incredible. There's a couple that comes on Saturday night Bob and Sylvia Bush. Bob and Sylvia are very faithful to Saturday night, and they have been for years. And then one day, they, they felt God tagging on the heart that it was time to serve. So they come to Saturday night service, and then they'll come back, and they will serve in the nursery twice a month, two hours. Not just 9.30, not just 11, but from 9.30 to 11, and they stay even whenever I go over time. It's amazing. They're just incredible people, right? And so as you look at this, I want you to realize, here's this man, he is not gifted at holding babies. I just want you to know that. I don't know too many men that are, okay? I was not gifted at that. Uh, this man was gifted. He, he worked in a mill. He could run a crew of people. And now here he comes in and he says, there's a need in the church. Sign me up. And he comes Saturday night. That's where he gets his soul fed. And then he comes back and he comes on Sunday with his wife and they serve together. And, and, and it's just kind of, it's so powerful to me that God has people like that in our church. And, and there are all people all over our church doing things like that. And it's like, you know, you, you look out on the parking lot. Here was, here's Ed Maxton out there, week in and week out. Ed Maxton's freezing out there today, right? Ed is always happy, and he's never complaining out there, ever. I mean, it, you know, he might be trying to move around to stay warm. But he's never complaining. He's coming. I mean, Ed's a very talented guy. Ed has a lot of talent. But he didn't bring his talent. He said, I'm bringing my availability. And he showed up. And that's what's happening all over the church. I see people do that in our children's ministry, in our youth ministry, in all areas of serving. People are coming. We're not about a talent show. We don't want God's not looking for your talent. It's great that he gave it to you, but he's looking for your availability. The greatest ability is your availability. As we move forward here, some are able to work more than others. Um, you know, sometimes people are able to give more, uh, to do more than other people. And here, here, here is, there's a, a, a phrase that's repeated a number of times in here. Six times you see the, the who repaired another section? Who repaired another section? Um, Nehemiah, um, Nehemiah 3.11. And you see that long list of names. Who repaired another section of the wall? He repaired... These people... In other words, they did what they were asked to do, and they went the extra mile. Nehemiah 3.19. Ezra, the son of Jeshua, repaired another section of the wall across from the ascent. You see, he went the extra mile. He did what the initial assignment was, and he went on further. 3.21. This guy, he rebuilds another section of the wall, extending from the door of Elishabib's house to the end of the house. So in other words, he says, man, they, they go the extra mile. They work a little bit more. They're able to do more than others. And God has some people that are able to do more than others, okay? And here's another type of person. These people were the, willing to work in the hardest of places, now this is very interesting to me. Um, there are areas in the church, and there's areas in your life that are hard, right? They're rebuilding the wall. Nehemiah three fourteen. The dung gate was repaired by that guy. The dung gate. Do you know what the dung gate means? Dung. You know what dung is? Okay. All right. You know what dung is, all right? It's nasty. The dung gate was where the garbage was taken. All the refuge, all the garbage, all the manure was taken through the dung gate. Now picture with me. Here's a wall that's crumbled down, it's broken, and this is the dung gate. It becomes like a garbage dump. And and as you go out there, you know, I've been to the garbage dump here in South Park through the years, we've taken loads of just stuff that accumulates. Churches are notorious for saving things, broken things. You know what I mean? It's like we have all these chairs that were broken in a garage. Finally, we need to get rid of them, right? So we, we go out there, and we go out to the dump, and we've done, done a number of dump loads out there. And when you go out there, and you're happy to get rid of the trash, but I'll tell you what, it smells. It's on your feet. It's, it's everywhere. You can't breathe. You're like, get me out of here. So here comes a guy. It says he was repaired. He was the leader of a certain district. He humbles himself, and he repairs the dung gate. Do you realize that when you're looking at your life, there's areas of your life that need to be repaired where there's garbage? Eww. And the hardest part is we've got to take the garbage out. Just envision with me all this garbage piling up. All this rubble piled up, and it's nasty, it's smelly, and it's stinky, and these guys got to go over, and they got to pick up the garbage, and they got to haul it out before they can ever start to build the wall. And that's what has to happen in our life. That's what has to happen in our church. That's what has to happen in our community. Sometimes it's just hard. Sometimes it's like, man, I didn't want to do that today. You ever have days like that, you know? I don't want to do that. I didn't feel like having that confrontation today. I don't like confrontation. Nobody likes confrontation, right? I didn't want to have to say I'm sorry. I didn't want to have to, to deal with my own trash. And so as we go through there, here's what it requires. It requires humility. Rebuilding requires humility, Um, Pride is the opposite of humility. Pride is the attitude of independence from God. It's self-sufficiency. And uh, here are six symptoms of pride. I'm going to give you six symptoms of pride this morning. And as you think about your life, I want you to review your life and say, am am I dealing with pride? Because we all have to deal with it uh, to some degree or another. Um, Here's one. Uh, Do you become irritated when corrected? The person that is defensive cannot, and cannot accept that they could be wrong or that someone else could know something that they don't. You see, that's a symptom of pride. And we all have to deal with pride, right? Uh, if you know anyone that can't take advice, it's a symptom of pride. you got to go through the dung gate, right? you got you to you clean out the garbage here. Um, taking credit for things that you can't control, you know? It uh, could be anything from a high IQ to a full head of hair. I don't know. It uh, could be your good looks. I, I read, about, uh, read about a pastor who uh, had to deal with some counseling. A, a woman came to him for counseling. She said that, it, that she needed to deal with her besetting sin. She noticed that she is the most beautiful woman in the church and that she can't help but notice that no other lady could even hold a candle to her beauty. What should I do about this sin, she said to the pastor. He replied, oh, dear lady, that's not a sin. That's just a mistake, all right? And so, uh, you know, he kind of helped put her in her place, deal with that pride, right? And isn't that what we do sometimes? We just kind of swell up. We take credit for things that we can't control. I like what Spurgeon said. He said, be not proud of your race, face, place, or grace. That is so good. Let's be proud of who he is and what he can do in our life. Uh, How about making excuses? This person always has a a reason or an explanation why it really isn't true or it's not their fault. It's easy to make excuses. Somebody says, well, and "Ah, ah, ah," and, and we, we, you know, we make excuses. Sometimes we make lies. That's a, that's a symptom of pride. I'm not seeking counsel. To, to not ask advice is a symptom of pride. Uh, You know, and and, and we all have to deal with that. I'll never forget when I was first married, I was doing a project around the house and my my wife said, well, I want to call my dad. I was like, no, you're not. She goes, yeah, he knows how to do that. But this is my house. And you know what? I call my father-in-law a lot nowadays because my house ain't looking too good. He knew how to build a house. He knew how to take care of it, right? So uh, humility says, I got to take advice. And the same is true in your life. You've got to take advice for the areas that you're weak in. You have to get other people. It's the we, right? We are his masterpiece. I have to come get other believers who will speak into my life and say, Okay, here's an area I need some help in. Will you help me? And humbly, by the grace of God, they help you. And man, it's powerful. See, that's how we rebuild. We have to be humble, uh, not seeking counsel and not seeking advice, is, uh, is, is a symptom of pride. Proverbs 12, 15 says that the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. Uh, the victim's mentality. There's somebody that's always having a victim. Woe is me. I'm always, I've always been the victim. Uh, if you feel something is owed to you, uh, it, it could be a self-centered symptom of pride. Life isn't fair, and we have no rights. We have no real rights. Uh, the whole entitlement mindset that we're dealing with in our world today, right? Pride can really creep up into that. Um, unhealthy sense of competition, and so th- these are areas that that you that that are that telltale signs that you're dealing with some pride issues. And so we need to become humble. The Lord, uh, Proverbs sixteen five says that the Lord detests the proud. He detests the proud. I like how the message message says it. It says that God can't stomach arrogance or pretense. God can't stomach it. It's just like, you know, when I come to God in pride, he's like, "Next. You're not ready. You're not ready for my power." Wow. I'm not ready for God's power because I have pride. Some are willing to work harder than others. Over in Nehemiah 3.20, some are, some are willing to work harder than others. Um, so they, were, they worked in hard places. Others were willing to work harder. Um, next to Nehemiah 3.20, next to him uh, was Barak, son of Zabbi, who zealously repaired an additional section from the angle of the door to the house of Elijah the high priest. Uh, and then here's the saddest one. This is the saddest lesson from this chapter. Some who are able were not willing. Some who are able were not willing. Wow. Here's your life. There's an area of your life that needs rebuilt and you can work on it. You chose not to. You chose just to ignore this area of your life. Oh, that'll go away. Listen, it doesn't go away. Bad things only grow. If you're dealing with some sin issues, folks, Listen, you've got to come rebuild that area of your life because if you don't, it will get worse. Oh, it's just a little thing. I got it under control. No, cut it out and get somebody to help you. And listen, the people who do that, they're the ones that have victory. They're the ones who have rebuilding in their life. It's like, wow, God does great things because they were humble enough and they could look at it and they were able enough and they could work on it. But here was a group of people. Look at this, this, this verse here, Nehemiah 3.5. Uh, next were the Tekites. This wasn't the techie people, right? <laughs> the, no, these weren't the guys with the iPads. They were from Tekoa, all right? The Tekoites, the, uh, though their leaders refused to work with the construction supervisors. The Tekoites worked, but their leaders refused. The leaders said, we're not getting our hands dirty. And we don't know why. We don't understand why they didn't do it. But it's an interesting comment. 2,500 years later, we are reading their legacy that they would not work, that they would not help rebuild the walls. Now, this is a sad state that we can be in. You know, in our church, God needs everybody to work together, work in hard places. There's days in church work, I feel like I'm living in the dungate. There's days I come home and my wife says, you look so tired today. I said, yeah, I've been at the dung gate all day. I've been removing garbage. Literally, no, honey. They won't let me do anything physical, all right? It's literally, we're helping people's lives and there's garbage that piles up. And as we pile up and move it, it's painful. It hurts. It's heavy. But it is so important and I'm willing to come in and do it. Are you willing to do it? Are you willing to remove the garbage in your own life? Are you, re- are you willing to help around the church? Maybe, you know what? I want you to think of Bob and Sylvia Bush coming and holding babies. They were supposed to be here today, but they got snowed in. <laughs> they come and hold babies for two hours. That's not in their resume. It's not something that they were dying to do, but it's something that they do because they love him. They love God. And it's humble. And you know, their life is blessed. And you talk to her. She's like, just she's so thrilled, except for whenever I go over time. I mean, she's just thrilled, you know? Sometimes they got 12 babies down there, and it's just her and her husband. She's like, wow, this was a long day. Thank you for ending on time, right? And so, so that's, that's what she does. She, she's a, Her and Bob are wonderful people, and they are reaping a blessing. And here's why. Here's what it is. This is how the family of God works. This is how your life works. 1 Corinthians 1 27. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. Wow. He chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. But God chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world. 1 Corinthians 1.28, he chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. God uses the weak. God's not looking for strong people. He is almighty. He doesn't need my strength. I need his strength. And that's what God is calling us to do. We get our strength from him. So uh, your your attitude is everything, folks. When you're rebuilding, your attitude is everything. Your attitude is important when rebuilding. Uh, Nehemiah 4.6, At last, the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city, for the people had worked with enthusiasm. They didn't come in and say, can you believe we're going to move trash today just to get to the wall? You know, the priests weren't saying, what idiot let this go for 140 years? They could have, Nehemiah could have been ripping them up and down. They came in with enthusiasm. It was hard work, guys. Work is typically hard. I want you to just clarify that. Work is typically hard. So just get used to that. Ever since Adam and Eve screwed up in the garden, work has been hard. I think it was a little bit easier before they screwed up, but that was one of the curses that work would be hard, right? So work is hard. So when we come to work for the kingdom of God, you're coming in to serve in the family of God. Guess what? It's going to be hard. You're going to serve in the nursery with babies, and they're going to like spit all over you, and it's going to smell down there, and you're going to feel like you're at the dung gate, right? And you're going to get in. Listen, here's what else is going to happen. You're going to get involved with people who are human, and you're going to disagree with people. Imagine that. Where there's movement, there's friction. And you're going to get involved, and you're going to find out, oh, this person, blah, 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 blah. Guess what? We have to come, and we have to take out the trash. And it's okay. God didn't find a bunch of perfect people and say, ah, that's crossroads. He said, I'm taking a bunch of people that are human and growing and as they get in here, there's gonna be movement, there's gonna be friction, there's gonna be problems and there's gonna be forgiveness. And who will be glorified? God. Because guess what our world doesn't do? They don't forgive. Have you watched the news lately? Have you watched CNN or Fox? Do you ever go back and forth? Guess what? There's hatred on both sides of this fence out there, folks. We have this awesome God who died for us, who came back to life for us, and we have an ability that they don't have out there. It's the ability to forgive because we've been forgiven. So I hope that when you get into the trenches and you see the dirt, you smell it, it's nasty, that you get an attitude that comes from God. It's okay to say, oh, I stunk today, (laughs) right? But at the end of the day, I come back and I say, wow, God, you're working. God is working in the church. You know what? God is working. I take out trash every day, folks. God is working more than I can imagine. He is changing lives. Do you know in, in, in the month of December, we had nearly 50 people come to Jesus? Nearly 50. Can we thank God for that? That's exciting. Man, together, we sent $133,000 to missionaries and orphans around the world. Can we thank God for that? Okay, that's what God does. But guess what? We're shoveling. And sometimes you get tired. And God says, I need you to be humble. I need you to keep going. And here's what's really cool. 1 Peter 4.10. God has given each of you a gift For His great variety, of, from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. You know what we're doing when we rebuild? We're serving you. You're serving your neighbor. When you're rebuilding in the school down the street or in the school wherever your kids are at, you know what you're doing? You're serving those people. That's what it is. When you go to work tomorrow and there's that person that you don't like, you don't get along with, God says, I want you to use the gifts. I want you to use how I've created you so that you can serve one another. Uh, Verse 11, he goes on. He says, do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. There's the answer, folks. We're going to rebuild. Rebuild your life. Rebuild the church. Rebuild our community. Whatever that is that God has been breaking your heart for, Um, here's how we do it, with the strength and energy that God supplies. Then, everything you do, now this is cool, when you do it with the strength and energy that God supplies, then, I like it when you see an if, then. If you do it with the strength and energy that God provides, then you will glorify. Everything you will do will bring glory to, uh, to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power be to him forever and ever. Amen. Let's close in prayer. God, we thank you for this day. Thank you for powerful lessons, Lord, that we can learn from a a passage that seems like details. But they're your details. They're important details. They're things that you have taught us. God, I pray for the folks in this room. Some of them are in rebuilding some major life crisis. Maybe it was a broken heart broken relationship, unforgiveness, some areas that need healing. God, I pray you'll be with each person as they take these principles and they apply them to their life. Lord, would you take them first to your throne room? May they know that you are God. May they know that you have every answer. You'll give them the strength. You'll give them everything that they need for what you've called them to do. Lord, we thank you, and we love you, and we ask your blessing as we leave this place and everyone uh, goes back to their ways and, uh, and just goes back and, and refreshes from God's word on who you are. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, folks. In the foyer, all right? There's coffee out there. It's hot. I'll guarantee that, all right? God bless you.